Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. This week on the podcast, I talk with Denise Merrick, a sought-after lecturer, consultant, and writer about how to worry less, as well as her book, Calm for Moms, Worry Less in Four Simple Steps. The way I work it is I provide number of different questions to ask yourself. So sometimes when we're worried about something, we're like you said, all of those, what if that happens? What if X, Y, Z happens? And particularly at night, if you're trying to sleep and you're worried about your finances and you're worried about your child's schooling and all of those worries. So in that moment of all of those, what ifs, first of all, stop and ask yourself, what is happening right now? Right now, everything's okay. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Hi, Denise. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Kim. I'm excited to be here. I am too. I was sharing with you before we started hitting the record button that I'm a natural born worrier. And you just wrote this book, Calm for Moms, Worry Less in Four Simple Steps. And I was instantly intrigued. I'm going to show everybody if anyone's watching um, on video because it's just, it's literally... I feel like the most therapeutic book that I have ever needed in my entire life. So <laughs> so having you um, on the podcast today is not only therapeutic for me, because I have a lot of questions I want answered and tips that I need to do in my own life, but I think it's going to help so many other moms and other listeners out there um, just with the wisdom that you share in your book alone. I can't wait to dig in and hear what you have to say you know, and expand on some of those things that you talk about in the book. Great. And you know what? It really is four simple steps. And once you know the four steps, you're going to be amazed at how easy it is to, when the worry comes up, to free yourself from it. Because the worry will come and then you can free yourself from it. It's it's quite remarkable. I, I can't wait because honestly, I've been waiting for something like this my whole life. So thank you for your book. I, I love it. And I can't wait to, like I said, dig in. Um, I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start. But um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I'm, I'm, I worry a lot. And as moms, I think it's almost natural for us to to worry. We worry about our home, our finances, um, our, our children, our health, our safety. It's it's hard not to worry. And like you said, worry is somewhat natural. Like you know, we will always worry, but it's how we handle it. I think is is where you come in. So, you know. As moms, you know, why do we worry so much? How does that happen? And how can we tame it a little bit? It's so interesting because you hit the nail right on the head because you said you were a natural born <laughs> worrier and you can be a born worrier. It was it made the front page news of the New York Times. They actually found a worry gene. So there's two versions of this gene. There's a short version and a long version. And if you happen to get 
the short version from one of either one of your parents, you can naturally be more prone to worry. So yes, you're absolutely right. You can be a born worrier. Wow. I think I was too. My mom always says I come from a long line of warriors, but <laughs> you learn to, to manage it and really get a handle on that, especially in parenting. There's a great quote you may have heard from L.R. Nost, and it said, when little people are overcome with big emotions, it's our job to share our calm, not join their chaos. But we can only share what we have. So through this calm process, you can learn how to have that inner calm, that inner peace, even in the middle of chaos and stressful, difficult situations that you can then model for your children. Wow, that is fascinating. I didn't know there was an actual worry gene. Well, that makes so much sense. And my mom is a worrier and I, you know, never met her mom. She passed before I was born, but I mean, there there really is something to that. You know, they say the apple doesn't fall, fall far from the tree and in, in my particular case and obviously research has shown that there is a legitimate gene that that this happens. So, you know, if you're if you're predispositioned to it, you know, I think it's it's a it's a it's a harder struggle, right, to try and manage it. And, you know, you hear lots of um, therapists and psychologists and, and psychiatrists out there saying, just worry about the things that are in your control. Don't worry about the things that are out of your control. But it's not so simple. So what do you say to that? I mean, how do we, we can say it and we can know it, but putting that and implementing that into action is a little bit harder. So how can we worry about just the things that we can control? Yeah, it's so funny. It's when people say, just worry about the things you can control. It's almost like, you're. what do they expect? We're going to suddenly say, oh, I haven't thought of that before. <laughs> right. like, right. People say, don't worry about it. That's not helpful. Right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So I have created a four-step process that is helpful. So the first step, and I'll just go through. So what calm is, the book is called Calm for Moms. And the word calm is in all capital letters because it's an acronym. So the C stands for challenge your assumptions. So most of the time when we're worrying, it's because we're assuming something we don't want to have happen might happen. And so then there are specific strategies within that to challenge your assumptions. And we can talk about some of those today too. The A is to act to control the controllable. And here's something that's really important. Not all worry is bad. So sometimes worry is serving you. Sometimes it's saying, hey, wake up. There are some things you need to do to protect yourself, your health, your wealth, your family. So the key is when you're worrying, instead of just experiencing it and letting it consume you, say to yourself, okay, wait, what am I worried about? And is this telling me that I need to do something in this situation? And then if you answer yes, you take action. And in the book, I help people to overcome their fears that stop them. Because for worriers, you can know what action to take <laughs> that might stop you from taking action. So then what do we do? And then the L is to let go of the uncontrollable. And that's where you say, you know, only worry about the things you can control. So how do you let go of the uncontrollable? And I have strategies there. And then M is very important and it's to master your mind. And this is where you learn to guard against that negative thinking. So we may have thought some, some ways, certain ways over time that they've created some sort of ruts in our brains and neural pathways, if you will, that, that now it's our automatic way of thinking. So we need to sort of interrupt those and create some new thoughts and new ways of thinking. 
Yes. And I think there is so much to the cognitive part of it of, you know, thought stopping and saying, no, I'm not going to worry about this today. That's not in my control. And even if you have to say it out loud or, or in your head, either way, um, that, that really does help. And I think it takes a lot of practice because it might sound silly at first to kind of talk to yourself about it and, you know, talk yourself through it. But, um, but it really does help. I mean, it's, it's a proven mechanism to, to help those things. So, um, I will share a little story. I um, was at the park the other day with um, my son and some of his friends after school, and there was a toddler who was kind of balancing, teetering on this, I don't know, this play structure. And he was kind of leaning over and two of us moms said, oh my goodness, if he tips over, he's going to land straight on his head. You know, and then of course you think of, oh my gosh, what if that child gets a concussion? What, you know, that worst case scenario thinking. And then there was another mom that said, he's fine. He's, he's climbed before. He knows his boundaries or he knows his limits. And I just don't think like that. I was one of the moms that said, oh my gosh, that child is tipping over so much that if he loses his grip, he was only th- two or three years old. He's going to literally fall on his head, get a concussion. He's going to have to go to the hospital. And those thoughts just consume me. And in that moment, I had to catch myself and think, okay, I want to be like this other mom who didn't have that worry. And she just said, don't worry about it. He's fine. And he was fine. He didn't fall. He ended up a couple minutes later getting down and it worked out. But what if he would have fallen and hit his head and gotten a concussion? How do I thought stop, you know, or stop those thoughts in my head when that comes up. That's really hard for me to do. Mm-hmm. So the the way I work it is I provide a number of different questions to ask yourself. So sometimes when we're worried about something, we're like you said, all of those, what if that happens? What if X, Y, Z happens? And particularly at night, if you're trying to sleep and you're worried about your finances and you're worried about your child's schooling and all of those worries. So in that moment of all of those what ifs, First of all, stop and ask yourself, what is happening right now? Right now, everything's okay. Because in that moment, when you were thinking about all of those what ifs, what if he falls and gets a concussion? Well, of course, as you know, being Dr. Kim, it sets off the amygdala, the fight or flight stress response gets set off, and then your body reacts to your thinking. And then it becomes very real for you. And you think, this is what's going to happen. I can feel it inside me. So to help calm yourself down, bring yourself to the present and say, what is happening? What is happening right now is I'm safe. Everybody's safe. This is okay. So then you move on quickly to the next question. You ask yourself, is what I'm worried about something that will matter a year from now? Because, and I'm not talking about the kid on the the totter, the, the teeter-totter thing that you had mentioned. I'm talking about just some of those everyday worries that we have. Will this matter a year from now? Because most of the time we spend our energy worrying about things that do not matter. So for instance, let's say another parent has said something negative to you about your parenting skills. Well, does that really matter a year from now? Probably not. You probably won't even remember it. Then if you think, well, I'm worried about something really big here. I'm worried about, well, if I don't have enough money to pay my bills, I'm going to lose my house. And where's my family going to live? That's where you move into the third step, and that's to affirm, I'll handle it. Because what you're doing is you're building your belief to handle whatever comes your way. And when you do, that helps to calm that worry. Because the reality is, you will handle whatever comes your way, and probably better than you will imagine it. I'm not saying it won't be hard. We have to deal with hard things in life, and hard things happen. But I think another mantra you could bring into the situation is to say things to yourself, yeah, I'll be able to handle it, and I can do hard things. And so it's just talking to yourself in a different way to help break that cycle that's happening in your mind. 
Right. And and that is helpful. And thank goodness I married a man who does not worry at all. And <laughs> sometimes it, it doesn't help that he tells me to stop worrying. You know, you're fine. Just stop worrying. And it's almost harder for me to get out of it when when he does that. But I think he's always, you know, trying to help, obviously. Um, but he doesn't worry about it at all. He always thinks everything's going to be fine. You know, like the other mom that was at the park, the boy's going to be fine. And he was. And in most cases, my husband's always right. And I'm the one who worries for nothing. And I exert all of that energy and my body gets worn down. You know, I I physically, uh, physiologically get tired. I'll get headaches. Uh, You know, I won't feel well when I worry so much. And it's like, I know in my head, I shouldn't do that, but then it still just happens. So I think like you said, being present um, and, and answering those questions, I think really helps. Um, but but what do we do when we're at that stress level? I feel like a lot of moms are in flight or fight mode a lot. You know, there's always something to stress about. You know, our our you know our mental load is just so high and overwhelming sometimes. You know, what do you suggest to a mom who can't sleep or maybe wakes up in the middle of the night and just has those kind of mini panic attacks of worry? Um, what do we do in those moments? Do you have any specific techniques um, other than thought stopping that you know we can we can share with other moms today? Well, one of the things that's really helpful is, especially if it's in the middle of the night, if the worry is keeping you up regularly, I recommend having a paper and a pen beside your bed and write it down. I know this sounds so simple and so obvious, but people just for some reason don't do it. But here's what's happening. If you're worried about it, you're keeping it in your in your mind, going over it again and again. And it's almost as though you're worried that you're going to forget what you're worried about. <laughs> so you can <laughs> yes. remember that. So you can have a, a list beside your bed that says worry about it later list. And then sort of think about one of the things that I do is when I'm trying to go back to sleep, I start thinking about from going through the alphabet from A to Z. I never make it to Z of different things. So what are things in my room that start with the A? And so then I go through B as a blanket, C, a cup, D, and you just keep going through the alphabet. And eventually I fall asleep. I I don't think I really get to J very often. <laughs> <laughs> it's just these different, different techniques. I mean, even paying attention to your breathing or here's a really good one. What is keeping you up at night sometimes isn't necessarily the worry. It's some of the ways we're coping with the stress beforehand. So maybe in the day, you're over drinking to cope with stress. And there's no judgment here. It's very prevalent in our society, so much so that they've coined a term for it called mommy wine culture, where where it's very common for individuals to drink to cope with the stress of, of parenting. And the trouble is that can really backfire, even if you're just having a couple of glasses of night at to, to unwind. And everywhere you look, it's prevalent, right? You watch a TV show and all the moms are having a drink together and it's just everywhere. But the trouble is while you might fall asleep faster and you might have a deeper sleep at the beginning of the night, the second half of your sleep is going to be really fragmented. So even when we have the slightest sleep deprivation, you can feel more stressed throughout the day. So you're waking up tired, you're more stressed and depressed, and then you reach out for those unhealthy ways of coping with that stress. I would have to say the number one thing, if you can fit it in, and even if you can't fit it in, the number one thing is to get your body moving, get out there and exercise. It changes your brain so much so that I remember in my textbook in school, in my counseling classes, it says it's almost unethical not to to tell your clients to exercise because it goes in such a long way in reducing depression. 
Yeah, so true. And I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, I've talked about that a lot, you know, about um, managing alcohol. There is that culture out there and it's everywhere. And Mother's Day cards, you know, there's games that you can buy on Amazon that have to do with, you know, the, the, the drinking culture we have, especially with moms. And I think especially with the pandemic and all the pressures that we have, like I said, that mental load that we that we carry that I think only moms carry really um, that, you know, they're they're needs to be things that we can do to cope. And I know in your book, you also talk about, um, you know, the stress response as, as we were just talking about, and it's actually, I think your first chapter. Um, and it really intrigued me because it's, it's called putting the brakes on the stress response. Right. Um, and, and again, we're constantly in this flight or fight mode. Many of us are, um, we're worried even, even just you have a whole section on perfectionism. I mean, there's just so much competition and competitiveness out there, especially with social media and everyone's comparing each other's lives to our highlight reels. And it's really hard to kind of stay in your own lane. Um, what do you suggest to moms that are struggling with that? You know, struggling with the culture that we're, we're getting from social media and society, our neighbors, you know, dropping off kids at school and how other moms are dressed or how they act. It's really hard to kind of keep up with the Joneses these days. Um, what, do you, what do you suggest for that? Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's plain and simple. <laughs> The grass is not greener on the other side. If you get close, it's just AstroTurf. (laughs) (laughs) The key is, I think there is so much mom shaming that happens out there, of course, with social media. And people, even the the people who mean well can unintentionally mom shame someone saying, oh, are you feeding your kids that frozen pizza? I have a, a recipe for a healthy salad that you could add with it. What the message you're portraying is what you're doing is not enough. And it can make you feel really guilty. So. When you feel that feeling of guilt, ask yourself a couple of questions. Ask yourself, first of all, am I doing the best I can? Your best is enough. If you're doing the best you can, absolutely, that's good enough. And then secondly, to ask yourself, um, is what I'm doing appropriate in this situation? And if what you're doing is appropriate and you're doing your best, you can let that guilt go because there's no, there's really no need for it. You are doing great. I throughout the book, I give mama bears encouragement. I said, you can do this mama bear. You're doing great. You got it. Nobody is perfect. And like you said, it is the highlight reel. It's the highlight reel. Yeah. I was at the, it's funny you say that I was at um, party city. um, I don't know, two weeks ago for my son's kindergarten graduation and I was completely overwhelmed. I mean, I was trying to get balloons for the graduation because I'm the room mom and I had all these responsibilities. Um, the day before, I had just attended my daughter's you know, third grade field trip to the park. And anyway, I had just had a slew of things. And I think the woman who was working at Party City recognized that. And she saw me. And at the very end of the transaction, she said, you can do this, mama. And I almost burst out in tears because she just recognized how stressed I was and how overwhelmed I was. And it was just that little tidbit of encouragement, just those few simple words of encouragement that made me smile and think, I can do this. I'm doing the best I can and I will get through this. And you know, some of the stress I feel like I bring on myself, honestly. I mean, I, I know I do that and I don't handle stress very well. Um, but it was just a really nice. So I feel like just before we head to the break, I just want to share, you know, and encourage other moms that if you see a mom struggling, if you see a mom having a hard day or her child's having a hard day, and that's reflecting on, you know, how she's parenting, you know, if they're having a tantrum in a store or whatever, just you know, lean in and and help. Give just a few words of encouragement, like you got this. That's all you need to say. And you could really make that mom's day. So anyway, just a little bit of that. We're going to take a quick break. I have so many more questions to ask you, but we'll be right back. 
Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Okay, so let's talk a little more about letting go of mom guilt because I feel like that comes up a lot. And, you know, mom guilt sneaks up in all sorts of ways. Um, how do we how do we let go of it? How do we tame that a little bit in our lives? Because it seems pretty prevalent, at least for me, and I feel like I can speak for others that it probably comes up a lot for them too. No matter what we do, I feel like we can't win. The, the guilt still creeps in sometimes. Yeah, I think really guard yourself around who you follow on social media. If you find that there's a particular account that's triggering you, you know what? You can unfollow it. You can be in control of what you look at because a lot of that guilt is coming into from comparison, the comparison trap. So guard what you're allowing to come in. If something doesn't make you feel good, you don't you can just you can just shut that down and i really recommend that we need to protect our minds we need to protect our hearts and you know i want to go back to something we were talking about before the break and you were talking about being being a a warrior mom listen it took me a long time to get to this place when my kids were little i remember what i had to what i worried about was them getting kidnapped <laughs> yes oh i have that too Okay, so here, and oftentimes it comes from our past experiences. So you know what? I almost, I wrote about this in both of my books. I almost got kidnapped two times, once when I was 14 and once on my way to kindergarten. And so no wonder it was part of my experience. So when it was time for my daughter to go to kindergarten, we went to a public school and looked around and it was recess time. The bell rang and all these little kids were in the hall. And I said to my husband, I could just literally take one of these kids and go. I said, our kid can't go to school here. So then we signed her up for a Montessori school, not because of the education, but because it was locked down and you had to ring the bell to get in. And so it's really important to, I'd say, taking action to control the controllable, but also make sure you're making value-based decisions because that Montessori school led to private school, which which really was hard on the family's finances. And so worry can actually consume your time. You were talking about your energy and make you tired, but also your money. <laughs> yes. It can cost a lot. So what do I do now is when I'm making those decisions, I ask myself, first of all, remember we talked about, oh, did I mention that you can ask yourself how likely is it? Did we talk about that yet? Oh, no, but that's great. So we ask ourselves often as people who worry, is it possible that what I'm worried about will happen? Well, in my situation, I can look back on my experiences that I had in childhood and go, yeah, it's possible anything can happen. But when we think about the unlimited possibilities of what can go wrong, an enormous amount of worry can set in. So we need to change the question from possibility to probability. So then we can even go so far as to say on a scale of one to 10, how likely is it that what I'm worried about is going to happen. And on that scale of one to 10, if I'd have known that question back then, I would have been able to say, well, it's probably around a one or maybe even a zero because at that point, the school had been around for 50 years and exactly <laughs> zero children had been kidnapped from that school. So just these little tiny tricks, these little shifts in the things and the questions we ask ourselves can go a long way to helping you to reduce that stress, reduce the worry. 
Yeah. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually have another situation that I worry about a lot. It's my health. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor. And I worry about it coming back. I worry about dying early. Um, speaking of my mom's mom that we mentioned earlier in the show that she died before I was born, um, she died of cancer when she was 48. And I'm not too far from there. And it terrifies me. And I think, what if that's going to be me? And all those thoughts come flooding back. And I like your scale and the probability because sure, I've had it twice. It's been maintained. I've you know, gone through the surgeries. I've gone through the radiation. I've taken medication to prevent it from coming back. I do all the things, especially movement. Movement's a big one. My doctors are always telling me, move, move your body. It'll help. It helps your physical health and, and so forth. So I do all the things that I can control. I can't control if it comes back, but I do all the things I can control to to try to, to help it not to come back. Um, but still, that that thought of my grandma and her dying so young, and you know me, um, it's it's terrifying. Um, so I, anyway, I just want to reiterate that I like your scaling process. I like your probability um, technique because sure, there is a probability. It's lower and lower now as I've gone through this process. And you know, as we age, I feel like it's just natural for us to kind of worry sometimes, you know, about dying early or you know, dying before our kids reach a certain age or you know, things like that. Um, and and it's true. But if you have any other tips, I'd love to hear them because I think a lot of people suffer from the same type of worry. Yeah, and. It is a very valid worry that you have because you have had that experience and you have lived experience with it. I remember my best friend, she died of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when she was 41 years old. And she was, she had two daughters. We met because our daughters were the exact same age. So I think one was eight and one was 11 when she passed away. And I remember having coffee with her one time and she, I said, your attitude is just incredible. How are you having this attitude? And she said, well, I can either choose to be happy with the time I have left, or I can choose to be miserable. So I'm choosing to be happy. And for somebody in that situation to be able to say that it is a choice, that made me say, if she can choose it, I can also choose it in my own situation. And so when we're talking about taking action to control the things you can, she was in the hospital having bone marrow transplants. And at one point, she knew that she wasn't leaving the hospital. And uh, so for her to take action to control what she can, she couldn't control the fact that she was going to die. But what she did is she had her husband go out and buy all the birthday cards and the wedding cards. It's heartbreaking. And the first baby cards. And so those are still happening. And she's still her children are still getting those those cards. And you know, when it happened and when she passed away, even her children, they came over to visit one time and they told me that they were making these beaded bracelets. And I said, what are you doing? They said, we're making beaded bracelets to sell, to, to raise money to fight cancer. And so I, I think they've ra they raised I, maybe even $250,000 for the local cancer center making beaded bracelets. And so I think as hard as it is, when we're in these difficult situations, there are still some actions we can take to control the things that are within our control. And uh, it, it goes a long way to helping you to feel some sort of power over a powerless situation. Right. Oh, gosh. Uh, yes, that terribly heartbreaking, but also very inspiring. And, you know, to think that she chose that route, especially at the end there, I mean, that is just so beautiful and just beautiful that, you know, that she's just in a way a role model for for other women who are in her situation and that's just wow i'm just very inspired by what you just shared um and just my heart goes out to that family still but that's just yeah. wow um 
you know, and, and there's also, you know, in, in our society, you know, there's also other worries that I feel it comes up a lot. And someone, when I was mentioning that I was going to be talking to you, um, someone in my community um, had said, well, ask her about this because it's apparently their biggest worry with everything that's been happening over the last couple of years and even recently about school shootings. You mentioned the, you know, your situation with the kidnapping and the Montessori um, situation, but you know, we, sometimes I feel like we can't or don't want to go to theme parks or movie theaters or malls or even schools now. And it feels like nothing in our world is safe because we worry that there's going to be a mass shooting or something like that. What are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like, you know, when I was younger, kidnapping was a thing. And I think that comes from, you know, our generation and generations, you know, before us. And it was, it was more prevalent, right? But now with, with with the news and the media and social media specifically, you know, before I feel like we didn't hear about those things as much unless it was like a big case, right? Because we didn't have all, all of that back then. But now anything that comes up at any situation, um, we hear about it immediately and it becomes national news because it's, you know, slewn all over social media and whatnot. So it feels worse now because we're, we're it's like being thrown in our face every single time it happens. But how can we manage that type of worry? Because I feel like the probability in reality with all the schools and malls and movie theaters in the nation, it is probably pretty low, but it feels really high because we hear about it so much. Yeah. And I think one of the things you can do, we're talking about taking action to control the things you can. A lot of that is not within our control. But when you're really overcome with stress and fear in these situations, there's three questions. Ask yourself, what could I do? What could I read? Who could I ask? So those are really empowering questions to help you create an action plan. So in those cases, who could I ask? Maybe sometimes you need to turn to a therapist at that point. If it is really limiting you and stopping you from being able to enjoy your life and go to the mall, you don't want to allow that to, to, to fester. Talk to someone else for a second opinion. It's super important. And then what can I read? Again, what can you read? You could read the people who are out enjoying their lives and doing the things that they want to do. And that's the best that we can do really is get out there. Um, as scary as it is, we have to keep moving forward. Right. I love that advice. These thoughts do come in. I mean, even for me as the worry expert, I'm flying to LA next week. And I did for a split second think, well, what if Mm -hmm. (laughs) the way the world is? And I just made the decision to say, well, you know what? I want to go here and I'm going to enjoy this and I'm going to enjoy my life because I can't control what is happening. And so it is a decision. And so does that mean you won't feel afraid? Does that mean you won't feel worried? No, of course, you're going to feel the fear. And there was a popular quote many, many years ago, feel the fear and do it anyway. And I think what we need to do is when you keep moving forward, you show yourself, okay, I was safe. And then it sort of builds on that belief that I am safe because we we do have that belief that we're not safe. Look at the images we see. It shakes us to the core. And you look at that and then it's very logical for those what ifs to come into play. So we need to do what we can to calm our minds and calm our bodies down from what we're seeing and also turn off the news. If you see something, what we do is we glue ourselves to the television. And when there is something horrific as a school shooting, we keep it up and we watch it again and again and again and again. And our mind doesn't know that we're just watching this. And our mind thinks this is happening to us right now. And this is going to happen to my children. And then you imagine that and you're shocking your whole system. It is important to see what's going on. But once you have the news, give yourself the gift, get outside, 
breathe, take a walk. You, you, you've already seen it stop allowing it to bombard your brain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of that, I, you just gave a few right now, but what are some other kind of quote unquote coping skills that we can do to calm our bodies down? Um, I know self care, the word self care gets thrown around a lot these days, you know, especially for moms. You need to self care and then it becomes overwhelming. They think we have to add one more thing on our to do list, which is self care. Um, but what are just some practical things moms can do? Um, you know, you said movement, taking a walk, but are you a believer in meditation, deep breathing? I mean, what's realistic for a mom to do to calm their body? down physically when they're feeling that extra worry and stress. Okay, so I can give you two that I love, two of my favorite ones. One of my favorite ones is to declutter, get rid of some of the stuff, because when your space is a mess, your environment is a mess, you also feel really messed up. And I'm not talking about being the perfect, you know, Instagram decluttered. I'm talking well, your about- Your house looks like a model home all the time. I mean, you have to live there, right? <laughs> You have to live there and it's okay for toys to be around, the laundry to be on the couch, all this stuff is totally fine. But sometimes when we have too much stuff, what we're doing is we're just sort of pushing it around to find the stuff we do need to use and and it's stressing us out. So you can look around and say, hey, what do I love it? Do I need it? Do I use it? Do I love it? Do I need it? Do I use it? And if you don't, ask yourself, could somebody benefit from it more than I am? Is there a mother out there that needs it more? Donate it and free yourself from some of this clutter because Ooh, it just lightens up the house. You can just feel it. You walk by a room, you've got rid of stuff. And I'm, when we clean, sometimes we can clean up the kids area and then they just pull all the stuff out again. Right. You get rid of some of the stuff. They can't just mess it up again. That's true. So, very true. Yes. Very practical yeah. too. Yeah. I love and that. Also, another great strategy is to reduce the noise clutter. There's so much noise triggers when you're a mom. You've got the loud squeaking toys. You got the TV, the video games. Everything is so noisy. And when you're really worried, it just, you ever notice it just, it just shakes your energy field. You just feel like. 100%. I've been there. Yep. I know it. (laughs) Try to turn down the volume on some of the toys and things like that. If you can't do that, turn down your own volume. So try it. Just walk softer when you're feeling stressed talk quieter and see what happens. It just sort of calms you down. So turn down your, the amount of noise you are making yourself. Turn down the, the volume in the car. Just see what that does. It goes a long way. So those noise triggers and mess triggers, try to get those out. I love that. I'm going to do both of those. That was such good practical advice. Thank you. Okay. Last question. Um, you know, you hear this in articles and, you know, other moms talking and there's a whole thing about overparenting children. It used to be called helicopter parenting. Do you think that some of that is stemmed from being worried about your kids, worrying about their safety, worrying about their health, worrying about all the things um, where it, we're so worried that we, we start to almost... Uh, suffocate them a little bit, maybe that's kind of a strong word. Um, Cause I'm somewhat like that too. So I'm calling myself that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about how I, how I portray myself to my kids. And I feel like sometimes when I worry, that's when I cling on to them more. And I say, no, you can't go here. No, you can't play with that. Or, and I end up saying no a lot. And I feel like I'm, you know, um, haltering their childhood somehow. So does, does some of that stem from worry? And if so, how can we help that? 
Yes. And I think that you'll recognize a lot of parents are doing it, particularly, as you said, with all of the news and all the things that are happening. We're just trying our best. So first of all, give yourself credit. You're just trying your best to keep yourself safe. So good job, Mama Bear. Thank you. Thank you. I know for my own children who have children, when they're experiencing these worries, and I always remind them, I say, I know that's scary for you to allow your child to touch all these different things when you're worried about germs, for instance. And I say, I say, but, you know, remember, you're doing a really good job to helping them experience things. So you're really helping their brain develop and you're really, and so just encouraging them to realize that you're helping your child. And again, it's that different perspective and it's still hard. That's why that mantra comes into play. I can do hard things. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm saying that you can definitely do it and it is good for your child. So give yourself credit. Don't beat yourself up. Say, hey, I'm just doing the best I can. And then allowing your child to do some of these things in a safe environment. Of course, you're not just going to say, sure, you can go on that camping trip in the woods with your 10-year-old friend by yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're going to need some common sense. Then just check in with yourself and say, okay, how likely is it that what I'm worried about is going to happen? Is this good for my child? Okay, what benefit could this be for them? How does this decision benefit my child? So sometimes we're so focused on what could go wrong, we could we forget about what could go right here. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that we ended on that because that is so true. And I feel like sometimes it's hard for moms to let go, you know, as our children get older or, you know, as our child gets older and it's hard to let go sometimes and, you know, kind of pull back so that autonomy can start taking place, you know, because it is good for their brain and development and environment. Um, And we also don't like seeing them fail. We also don't like seeing them get hurt. And I think, you know, we worry about that. And that's when we kind of prevent them from, like you said, living their best life. And also um, it's experiencing life the way they should. So where can people find your book and where can people find you online so they can follow you and get all the best advice? Okay. So Instagram, you can go to the Denise Merrick. And for my new book, you can go to comformomsbook.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Denise, for being here today and sharing everything that you did. I'm going to definitely put some things into place and implement them in my own life. And I hope everyone who's listening does the same. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com.